0: Welcome to Creepy Tales, a spooky podcast adventure with Penguin Teen. I'm your host, Felicity, and for five episodes, we've invited some of Penguin Teen's most beloved authors to take a walk on the wild side, go down a darkened road, light up their pumpkin carving, and get creepy with us. We've challenged our authors to write a 500-word creepy tale with our first author, Natalie May, whose debut fantasy novel, The Kind of Poison, People magazine called a delicious high-stakes adventure. She'll be then followed by Katie Allender, author of The Companion, as well as Bad Girls Don't Die, Famous Last Words, and The Dead Girls of Hysteria Hall. And to complete the story, Crystal Sutherland, author of a set definitive list of worst nightmares and the recently adapted to film Chemical Hearts and the highly anticipated 2021 release House of Hollow. Hello, ladies.
1: Hi. Hello. Hello.
0: Uh, I love the cheeriness. (laughs) It's going to change rapidly as we get into the next section.
1: Lulling you to a false sense of security. I love it.
0: Our authors were provided with a visual prompt and a single word to inspire the story, and everyone submitted their contributions to Penguin Teen. So, for both Katie and Natalie, they will be the. This will be the first time they're hearing how the story unfolds. The story prompt is the jar, and Natalie, I invite you to lead us off.
2: All right. Thank you. The jar. I don't know how much I'm bleeding. After I saw the shadow, I didn't stop to look. The forest flashes past as I run, bone white trunks turned blue by the moonlight, gnarled branches snagging my long hair my coat. Snow crunches, I nearly slip again. Everything here grabs at me, tries to pull me back to the cabin. My hand throbs from where I sliced it, jumping down from the attic. But I only clench it harder around the treasure in my grip. Two years of studying the abandoned cabin, marking the strange disappearances that have happened around it, guessing wrongly until tonight. Which constellations had to be in the sky to make the jar appear? It's finally paid off. They say the jar's magic can make anyone love you. They say it can destroy the world. They said nothing about a shadow with eyes like stars and long, broken limbs. I step wrong on an icy branch, and this time I do go down. I gasp and twist, clutching the fragile jar to my chest with one hand, using the other to catch myself. Pain jolts up my arm, sticks and crusted snows, tearing my injured hand, but I sit up quickly, panting. The jar is whole, its contents, like a galaxy trapped in glass, swirling in angry red. I almost sob in relief. A branch cracks, and I go still. But the longer I look into the trees, up the slope where the cabin hides like a wolf, the quieter the world goes. The wind dies, the hum of a distant plane fades. My breath fogs before me in a cloud of white. Nothing moves in the checkerboard slices of moonlight, but I don't think I'm alone. Gold light pulses from the jar, a single blinding beacon. I shove it deeper into my coat, zip my jacket around it, pray its guardian stayed at the cabin. I am so close to having everything I've ever wanted. A fresh start with my mother, freedom to my father's expectations. A best friend who forgives me. A boyfriend who doesn't ask me to say things I don't feel. The jar will only grant one wish, but I figured out a way to do. I will ask it to make my life perfect. But first I have to get away from that thing. I shove to my feet and sprint down the mountain, the across memorializing one of this area's many victims to the trailhead where my Jeep waits. The jar warms against my ribs. My phone vibrates in my pocket, probably the hundredth message from Josh who always wants to cry. Right? My blood leaps as I close my hand around the car handle, yank the door open and jump inside.
3: As usual, it takes three tries to get the engine to start. Somehow, this has never been more than a minor inconvenience. But then on a typical day, I'm not fleeing for my life. My foot slams the gas, and I accelerate so hard, my neck jerks back. I'm going too fast across the muddy potholed parking lot, and I know I could bottom out at any moment, but I can't make myself slow down. As I round the corner to the exit, something smashes into the windshield, and I scream. Seeing the dark fingers of something shadowy splay across the glass, For a moment, I'm sure it's got me, the thing, the beast, whatever it is. But then in my side mirror, I see the branches of a tree shuddering behind the car. It was just a low-hanging branch. I sideswiped it, that's all. The relief is so bright and raw that I burst out laughing. But that ends quickly, because as I laugh, the balmy warmth of the jar blazes red-hot, making me gasp. I suck my rib cage away from the heat and steer with one hand, reaching the other into my jacket to fish for the smooth glass. My fingers delicately lift it out. It's actually radiating heat at this point, like it's been in the oven. And as I struggle to slide it into the cup holder, my phone rings again. The vibration startles me and the jar tumbles to the floor below my feet. Okay, whatever. It's actually fine down there. I hold it in place with my left shoe and navigate the recent calls list, pressing Josh's name. Wow, okay, he says. Not even a hello. Do you care to explain? Nope, I do not. Admit nothing. Explain what? You said you were going to be home. Did I? Even his breathing sounds pissed off. Yeah, I said, hey, it's your birthday. What should we do? And you said, I'll just hang at home and take it easy. So I show up and... At my house? I ask, bristling. You went to my house? No, at Disney World. Yeah, I'm at your house. You're not here. Well, obviously. I can hear the realization dawning on him. What, you're mad? I said I wanted to be alone. Nobody wants to be alone on their birthday. Well, they might, Josh. They have an ancient force to kidnap from its murderous guardian. Something came up, okay? I just had to run an errand. I'll be home soon. How soon? He tries to sound aloof and a little mean. I might have plans. Oh, please, I say, and hang up. If I weren't about to absolutely fix everything wrong with my life, I would highly consider being single. I pull the jar into my lap and it suddenly glows as bright as daylight, a shock of white blue, as if a hundred paparazzi just took flash photos at the same time. I yelp, momentarily blinded, and in that moment my car hits something in the road. It reverberates against the front bumper with a slam. My heart, already pounding, skips several beats, and a fresh river of adrenaline washes through me. Too shocked to drive, I pull off to the side of the road and shift into park. In my lap, the jar pulses as innocently as a goldfish. Not worth it, I say to it. You are so not worth it. But it is. It's totally going to be worth it. When I can breathe again, and the green flashes disappear from my vision, I shift back into drive. But nothing happens. And then I hear it from the roof. Scritch, scritch, scritch.
1: The jeep won't start. I turn the keys, slam the gas. Nothing. But I'm suddenly unafraid. The jar is warm against my thighs and shining red again, pulsing softly like a heartbeat now. I pick it up and hold it close to my face. Beyond the slick of my blood, I can see tiny constellations strung like jewels across black velvet. Open me, the jar seems to whisper. I hear it inside my head. I can give you anything you want, it says. Open me. I think of Josh at my house when I told him not to go there. I think of my parents, how complicated and broken everything feels all the time. Make everything easy, I ask it. Make everything perfect, take all of this away. The jar is beating in time with my heart, faster and faster. Inside I can see everything I have ever wanted. So close, I am so close now. Yes, it answers, anything you want, open me. Something collides with the side of the Jeep. The jar's spell is broken and I remember that I am running. There is a sound of metal tearing, glass breaking. Something is trying to get in. They say the jar's magic can make anyone love you. They say it can destroy the world. I unscrew the lid. The driver's side window shatters and there are hands in my hair, dragging me out of the Jeep, wresting my half-open treasure from my fingers. I hit the ground. White spots explode behind my eyelids. There are two bright eyes hovering over me. As I watch, the shadow creature that guards the jar begins to change. It is no longer a mass of broken limbs, but a woman made of stars and darkness. I recognize her. She is one of the people who went missing here. I saw her photograph on the cross I ran past. She is screwing the lid back on the jar but some of its contents has spilled onto her hands. Do you see now, she asks me in a low voice. Do you understand now? I do see, I do understand. It is eating her, liquefying her. It is acid and fire, it is pestilence, it is death. I watch as it feeds on her and feeds on her until she is gone. The jar drops into the snow, silent. My phone vibrates in my pocket. Josh calling me again. I take it out and look at his face until the screen goes black. I know somehow that this will be the last time I see him. I press the phone to my chest, then turn it off and throw it into the forest. I hope he doesn't follow me here. My mother, my father, my friends. I hope nobody comes looking for me. Because I know now what I have seen. And I know what I have to do. I pick up the jar from where it fell. I can feel its fury in my fingertips. It howls against my skin. It screams inside my head, let me out, let me out, let me out. I don't listen. I carry it back to the cabin, through the snow. I don't feel the cold anymore. I move slowly so I will not slip, so I will not drop it. In the room, in the dark, I put it back where I found it. Then I sink into the shadows and take my place with the others. The others who came here looking for a miracle and discovered that what lives inside the jar can never be allowed out. I watch the jar. It watches me back. I am its guardian now. The End (laughs) <laughs> wow. we did it
0: well oh, wow. I was going to say, Nat, I have to ask you so many questions about where you think this story went. But first, I have to acknowledge for all of our listeners that this is the first story where we had a little bit of a slip. And that slip is my fault as a host completely, in that in part one, Natalie wrote a beautiful setup. And then in part two, Katie continued on. But our part three writer, Crystal, was only sent part one. And so what came back was a story that kind of still worked. Crystal, do you want to tell us what, what happened?
1: Yeah. So for some reason, I thought I was, we were doing like a chain writing thing. So I was only getting the middle of the story and I wasn't allowed to see the opening of it. So it opens with, I don't know how much I'm bleeding. And I assumed there had been an entire scene before that. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to carry on and finish the story from there. And uh, so I was just, you know, working with that, but apparently there was this whole middle section that I missed out on, but somehow we still brought it all back together.
0: It did. It worked. So we did, for our listeners, we did give Crystal an extra hour to fix some things and, and make some tweaks. But I will say, as I said to you guys when we when we discovered this mistake, it actually still really worked, which is why I didn't catch it because I was like, okay, creepy, cool. Um, now, you got the probably, almost I feel like you as a group got the hardest, hardest creepy tale prompt. But I want to ask you in terms of what you started with, did you think that was going to go where it went?
2: Um, from, from my part to, to the next ones? or Yeah, like- to the whole
0: story, <laughs> just to hear it for the first time unfold that way.
2: That was really, really cool. Um, cause you know, when you write like your part, you're like, well, I don't really know how much I should set up for the next one, but I want to give them enough to work with so they can think of something cool. But I just honestly had no idea where it was going and I thought she was going to die. So I'm actually really happy with this. <laughs> I feel like twist. And it's like, it's perfect. I really like where it went. Um, yeah. And I'm glad she's still alive. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you wanted her dead. Okay. All right. Katie, I think you introduced my greatest villain, which is not the jar itself, but Josh, the douchebag boyfriend. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. In, ter- in terms of we got to meet him. I know that I think, I think Nat, you laid him down a little bit, but like that phone conversation, I think I said to you when I got that email, I was like, I hate him. I hate him so much. Yes.
3: Yeah, well, you know, bad boyfriends are part of the horror of life that people have to deal with. So Josh is, uh, Josh is out, out bad guy.
0: Mm-hmm. And did you, from what Nat had put out in terms of, did you kind of, were you wanting to get her? Away? Like, did you, where did you see her going? Because obviously she got to the car and she got away a little bit. And I was like, oh, where's she going to go? Well, you know, it's funny because what I sort of, thought and I
3: didn't I didn't put it in because I didn't want to like make it too much of a gimmick was like this is kind of like your birthday wish and it just happens to be like very hard to get an actual birthday wish um I thought she was just gonna try to go somewhere quiet and and make her wish and try to perfect her life Um, but obviously that didn't work for her
0: (laughs) yes because crystal stepped in and made it like pestilence came along and like death that's all right yes some people want that for their birthday (laughs) so i was working with a kind of
1: pandora's box idea so i think Mm -hmm. uh nat set that up really well with the you know they say the jars magic can make anyone love you they say it can destroy the world so i thought it's like be careful what you wish for and as soon as you are convinced to open this jar you quickly find out that uh everything is not as
0: it originally seems
1: mm. so that's
0: uh, that's where i i finished it up and then the mythology too that you added in the layer of like oh i've seen the roadside signs of people here and now i'm going to be one of them just disappeared and i'm going to you know join a cast of people to look after this jar
1: yeah there are so many clues in the in the first and 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 second one that I didn't get to read but so many clues in the first section about you know there are people who are missing and I'm really curious Nat like what were you thinking with the the missing people and the the constellations that she has to get right to find this jar
2: um I wasn't entirely sure like I said I'm really happy with the the direction you went with it I think I kind of saw her like making this wish but then it backfiring on her or like pulling her into the jar or something like that um where you know this wish obviously is going to go wrong because it's horror um so yeah I kind of just saw her vanishing just like these other people who had foolishly tried to make wishes
1: yes that was going to be my that was my other option was uh to have her open the jar and then get sucked into the jar and anyone who yeah, anyone who opens the jar lives in the jar. Yes.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love that all three of you were like, yes, yes. We're just, yes. <laughs> we're, we're, we're learning your horror tendencies, your creepy tale tendencies. And I guess for all of you, I suppose probably, Katie, up until now, you've probably been the one who's been writing most in this genre and style of creepy, horror, atmospheric, moody stuff. Was it, do you think it was easier for you or? Um, it was really fun. Uh, it was interesting because
3: I I've never written. Uh, present tense. So that's a little different from my usual Mm -hmm. style. So that was kind of fun. But I really love doing stuff like this with parameters, because I think, you know, I can sit and look at my work in progress for a regular book for like three weeks and not have any ideas. And then this, as soon as someone's like, here's sort of what you're writing, then the ideas just sort of pour out, which is really fun as a writer.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, and I think for that you're running fantasy and everything as well. And you probably have, in a way, the hardest start because you've got to kick it all off and set up this world. Was it a challenge or was it just fun? Um,
2: It was kind of both. So I'll admit that <laughs> I like, first got the prompt. Like, I got the email and I just saw the jar. And then I started watching Halloween Wars on TV, which is like this <laughs> competition. And I started thinking about, like, jars. So I originally thought about, like, the jars those Creepy animals in them, and like preserved things, and I was like, "Ooh, I'm gonna start it in this room of like pre- preservation jars, and it's gonna be like this saw setup where she has to get out, or she becomes part of the thing." And then I opened the picture later, and I was like, "Oh, that is nuts!" <laughs> 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 My entire. I was like, I can work with like, it's really pretty. Like I wanted to write like this fantasy romance about this galaxy in a jar. Um, But I was like, I think I can do this like creepy thing with this pretty jar. Um, (laughs) I think about the wish. And I was like, well, wishes can go really wrong. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, maybe a thief comes and takes it and then like, why does she want it? And, and all of this. So it just kind of flowed after I had that initial idea and i think it was a little bit freeing too to know that i didn't exactly have to know how <laughs> it, um to be able to put it out there and be like okay here's just some things that i think are cool um and see what they're gonna do with it
1: yeah i, I wish de- i g- wish writing crystal. a book i wish writing a book was like this and uh you could just write the first <laughs> few chapters great ideas and then someone would finish it for you it would be fantastic
3: exactly I
0: know I was I think yeah. all the all the lead-off authors have had a re- the same kind of um freedom of going not my problem not my problem <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> they're, in, they're 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 in the woods they're being chased I don't know what's going to happen not my problem
3: <laughs> but then it's easier to pick up as the second author too because there's so much of the like initial sort of speed bump of getting into the to the idea that is already handled for you so it's like great I can do this like I see where it could go from here whereas when you're staring at the Mm -hmm. blank page it's very hard to make that kind of decision sometimes
0: Mm. Mm. well and Crystal for you too this is a little bit of a shift but also for people who have not yet read House Apollo, which most people haven't because it's not out till April of next year you kind of are stepping in this kind of creepy world direction a little bit anyway so it kind of felt on brand as I say
1: Yeah, I I have been a a horror fan for most of my life and I just accidentally ended up writing contemporary teen romance. Um, But here I am living my truth uh, as a horror writer and it feels really good just inflicting pain and terror on unsuspecting characters.
0: I love the way you say it. You, You all sort of say that with such a beat optimism of like, yeah, it was great to really hurt these people. Yeah. (laughs)
1: <laughs> something strangely satisfying about it
0: well thank you so much all of you natalie katie crystal it was really uh, the jar was <laughs> definitely something i'm never gonna open again <laughs> <laughs> that was amazing and so tomorrow's authors <laughs> joining us for their creepy tales will be kate alice marshall laura beth johnson and writing duo emily wibbly and austin sigmund broker be sure to read with the lights on until then